0: Hey everybody, welcome to the MXU video podcast. This is episode number 16, the big one six, and um, yeah, it's going to be a good day. I'm excited, uh, as always, to be in front of the microphone, hit and record, you know,
1: as we learned from our last episode. Is sweet 16 still a thing? Was that like a still a popular birthday thing? Do you have a daughter? Yeah, are you going like to have a, a daughter. 16? Uh she, well, uh, she
0: just turned twelve, so I'm gonna hold off on sixteen as long as All I right. can. So got a few years till we know about that. But um yeah. So sweet sixteen. Um excited. March Madness. March Madness is coming March,
1: up. That's a very Yep. F- fits the theme of March, Sweet Sixteen. Sweet sixteen. Are you a basketball yep. guy?
0: Uh I watch the I watch March Madness and I watch NBA playoffs, and that's my extent yeah. of being a basketball person um a couple years ago when the hawks were in the playoffs like it was all the rage at our house but um we yeah it's kind of our give and take with our family we watch a lot of football yeah and then we don't watch much stuff during the rest of the year so
1: yeah good balance it's our balance i don't even think i've done a bracket the last few years that's kind of sad maybe i should step into a bracket
0: i mean 10 years ago Or more like, I remember I went down to like the ESPN zone with my buddies in college and we watched like Thursday. That's more the first round of all the games. (laughs) 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 Right. Okay. Uh, uh, We're going to call that about 20 years ago. Um, But uh, I remember going down to Buckhead and like watching Thursday, you know, blowing off all of our college classes that day and yeah, watching all the games, feeling like we
1: probably have four or five brackets and. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to chase rabbits today, FYI. So, okay. skipping Love class it. in college, I could yeah. not recommend it more. <laughs> <I know. laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, so you, gotta, you have to be yes. wise about it, be smart about it. But some classes you yes. need to go to, but some classes, yes. literally, the professor would say, I do not care if you show up. Just, take, just get yeah. good grades on the test. And I would say, Okay, great, all I'm a good test taker. I'll see you on test day here's
0: my problem. I was a terrible test taker and I still <laughs> skipped classes. So like, um, man, I just, my daughter and I were just having this conversation this morning. She, she did really well in this test and she had like written out note cards and all this stuff. And so she like got the highest grade in the class or something. And I was like, you know, it wasn't until like late in college that I understood the power of like note cards as yeah. a study for tests. And I was like, and I was like, and I was just a terrible student. So don't follow in my path. Um, Anyway, yeah. So there it is. That's that's my basketball history, and I just
1: don't. Yeah, yeah. It is what well, it is. If you are out there and you're a big fan, I'm hoping that your team does well. I really don't. Yeah, think. I, yeah.
0: I, I, I yeah.
1: I don't either. We're a couple of Georgia um, guys here. We, we haven't been good at basketball <laughs>
0: since. I was about to. I Dominique was about Loken's. to. I was about to say the Georgia thing, and then I'm like, I'm sure they're just. Ti- our audience is tired of us talking about Georgia Bulldogs. So. um Apparently, there's other schools in the SEC that are doing well in basketball, but kudos to them. Um, anyway, uh, we're, a, so we're a video Zach, podcast. We're a video. podcast. That's correct. That's right. Where's Zach? Um, Zach's not with us, so Zach's hanging out with his family today, um, and he couldn't break away to jump in. And I've got some him. things. I got some things coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, that will. Uh, limit my availability uh in the same time zone as you guys so uh we're jumping in and recording podcast now zach's doing family stuff and so you're stuck with me and rusty for the next couple of minutes we're gonna chase some rabbits and uh see where we land it's gonna be a fun time and yeah go from there um, well, give us a, a quick like little overview where are you headed in the next few weeks Uh, so the next few weeks for me, this is, uh, we're recording in the early March. I'm headed over to Australia to meet with the, uh, Ross team over there. We're going to meet some churches in Australia. So, um, shout out to churches and maybe listeners that are over there and it's gonna be fun. I, am looking forward to seeing their workflow, see how they do church, uh, large and small. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to be over there for about five days It takes a long time to get there. It's like 15 hours from LAX to Sydney. So um, I did it one time in 2013, uh, me and my brother and best friend. We spent three months in Australia uh, serving at a church. Um, Shout out to mission trips through the North American Mission Board. Um, So we did a summer over there, but haven't been there since then. So it'll be fun to see how, obviously technology is way different now so it'll be fun to see how things oh, I, thought, I thought you meant technology is way different in australia i was like, I mean it's the same no no no, have no, the no same stuff
1: yeah. <laughs> it's, no.
0: but like 2003 we. i mean we were still in like vga vga world yeah. you know so um but yeah so that's where i'm going and then um we're ta- i'm taking a, a vacation trip with my wife a uh, little birthday trip for her um which we're excited to be going down to a place in Mexico that's warm all year round. So can't wait for that. So Love it. yeah, that's what we're going to be in the next couple of weeks. And then I've got a, i have got I got a thing that I'm involved with uh, over in Augusta, Georgia in early April, which I'm not sure if I can talk about, so I'll just leave it at that. Mm. So
1: what yeah. could be happening in Augusta, Georgia in in, in early, early April. April? Huh? I know. Cue the music. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Actually, um, don't, because
0: that would be we'd, we'd get sued. That oh yeah, yeah, we would be hosed, and then, and then I probably
1: wouldn't be there in early <laughs> April. <laughs> so, well, it's exciting. I, I can't wait to hear about yeah. your trip to Australia. To, I've never been there, but uh, it's cool to, to get to go and meet with uh, our people there. So, that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, for about three hundred thousand sky miles, you could join me. You know, mm. <laughs> my uh, is, sky miles yeah. account is a little limited. And you've been cashing those things out lately, yeah. So, are you, uh, um, yeah, what comfort are you just flying in, in normal economy? Did you get comfort? I am plus? Comfort
0: Plus, I'm Comfort Plus, uh, because okay. my platinum level got me the Comfort Plus upgrade. And then I just found out yesterday that you cannot get so you don't get any other um upgrades on international
1: flights, right. Yeah. Unless you pay yes. for it. Correct. Yeah. No, comp- no complimentary upgrades to f- lay flat. Not going to happen. Right. No. So um,
0: trying to decide if I uh, spend a hundred thousand of my only 172,000 sky miles, a hundred thousand of them for the premier select, which prop premium select,
1: which I'm probably not going to do. Um, But yeah, it just gives you a little more recline and it like gives you a foot prop. I think like basically is all it really does. Yeah. So we'll see on the other side of this when we record another
0: podcast, uh, I'll let you know how that goes. Anyway, what are what's you up to? You got some stuff happening, or no? Uh, I
1: got a I got a few. Uh, I've been a, at home for a couple of weeks here, which has been nice. Uh, I'm about to hit the road actually tomorrow. I'll be in Orlando for a a show with um, a group that I work with a lot out of Atlanta uh, mid March, and then I've uh, got a few things happening at home at Passion City Church. Grove Conference. Um, yeah, This show's here or there. We've got a spring break trip with the family early April that we're li- really looking forward to taking the kids to California for the first time. Um, cool. What part? Which will be fun. Well, they don't know yet, so oh, hopefully yeah, they won't listen to this. Got it, got it. Got it, got it. Uh, we're going okay. to Palm Springs and Joshua Tree. Okay, It'll cool. It'll be like, it's like a little foray into national park life. Not, yes. I mean, it's not like a real national, it is a real national park, but it's not like you're hiking crazy mounts and elevation change yeah. and that kind of stuff, which yeah. that could be good for our younger kids to kind of dabble a little bit. Yeah. That's
0: great. Yeah. I'm excited. Excited for you guys. Uh, get, have you gotten the national park, uh, books, the stamp books, the books?
1: Yeah. No, no books. We okay. should get books.
0: I'll, I'll send you a link. So basically it's, uh, then you go up to the park ranger, like stamp station, they like stamp it. And then therefore, yes, I've heard of this. You can have, the, yeah, you can have that book. Like, for the next, for however long they're always trying to get those stamps. So that's what we're trying to do before they graduate high school, get all the national park stamps. Cool. Anyway. Um, great. So uh, as I was thinking about today, I was, I have some things on my mind to talk about. I um, just got off a trip, I guess maybe like two weeks ago now from um, over at transformation church in Oklahoma Um, I am careful to, to hype this because, um, what they're doing is really, really cool. Um, from a technology standpoint, but it's very unobtainable in a lot of ways for, a Uh, A lot of our church listeners. So it's something that we probably should talk about, but also talk about it with a grain of salt. Very similar to that 2110 conversation, I think. It's like, hey, SMT 2110 is a great video uh, standard, doing IP video, but not necessarily appropriate or right for all churches to do. Um, But I got my first experience natively seeing a system uh, that is UHD um, uh, HDR. So high dynamic range and so Mm -hmm. it was really beautiful high dynamic high dynamic range is amazing um 4k or uhd kind of is what it is i think it's um more pixels more pixels is not always better for a web audience more pixels are more pixels so when appropriate do it um but hdr
1: is really really amazing so What uh, give me some what tangible like what what could you see difference in the picture? Um,
0: The the depth of color and the the black levels. um, Everything's deeper. Everything's richer. You put a uh, what uh, now the term is SDR so standard dynamic range, and then um, HDR is high dynamic range. So you took take a SDR. shot and an HDR shot side by side. And you're like, whoa, that is drastically better, deeper, richer. Um, if you go, I think Netflix, I think a few streaming platforms have the ability to do HDR. If you have an HDR TV. So that's kind of the part of the problem with HDR is that you have mm-hmm. to have your display devices support HDR and your capture devices support HDR. So you can't manipulate the color Post camera, you can't make HDR happen post camera in a broadcast workflow. Um, and you can't make HDR happen with a display that's not built to display that color um, spectrum. So it's worth looking at if people are going to NAB. It's worth um, finding camera manufacturers and um, A being SDR and HDR because that's going to be all the rage.
1: I've kind of had this question for uh I don't know maybe a year or two now um, and you might not be the person to ask this but I'm going to ask you convince me that HDR is not the next 3 d video
0: oh there's a lot of reasons why it's not um so HDR doesn't take any more bandwidth so if you think about a uh, 1080p signal so it's three um, it's a three g signal which means it's three gigs per second is that right. that's right right yeah three down that cable right? yeah uh down that cable path so hdr is a um changing the color flags or changing the color um calculation so it's not adding any more data the data is already there it's already being generated by the camera it's just a different set of data if, well if you have that camera yes right correct so um so from a cost standpoint and from a cable link standpoint and from an infrastructure standpoint, you're not adding any more data. You're not having to deal with, um, more bandwidth. Um, it just runs along an SDI stream, just like it always has. It just is flagged as like, Hey, this is, um, BT 2020, um, or rec 2020 or rec 709 BT and rec or, different ways of saying the same thing but um so bt 2020 or rex 2020 is the Mm -hmm. hdr uh rendering and then 709 is the uh sdr uh standard so you can look at wikipedia and read a bunch of articles about those two
1: things but all of my devices in line not just my camera and my display have to be able to handle that right
0: um so only the devices that do any type of conversion so you think about it like a video router and switcher. They're not converting anything um, because they're not changing any. They're not doing format conversion or anything like that. So you can hand off um, signals to and from things uh, without manipulating or changing the data. So that's what think about like the data as um, the data information riding along with the video and it's telling the display like this is what I am and this is what I should look like. And so that information rides along with the video signal and then it gets to the display device and it, now engineers that are way more intelligent than me will say well wait there's a whole bunch more about it but in simple terms it's saying here's it's it's uh, flagged as like BT2020 a rec 2020 and the display gets that flag and the display is like, cool, this is what it needs to look like um, to show this video. And so that flag doesn't get changed through router and switcher unless the switcher particularly says it, it can't, but most switchers do just hand it off because mm-hmm. it's not manipulating that side of the video stream at all. So it just takes it and
1: runs with it. I'd be curious what the, Like adoption of HDR is industry-wide. Like, because I know there are some cameras that are HDR, but to my knowledge, it's not like, you know, none of the big networks have like fully adopted it yet, right? So no one's broadcasting in HDR. Broadcasting in HDR is going to be a
0: lot more complicated because of the display devices.
1: But most consumer TVs these days are HDR.
0: They are. They are. And that's why HDR. HDR is still new, so there's really two different um, HDR standards. I feel like you could work at Best Buy right now.
1: I know, you're right.
0: <laughs> uh, HDR10, HDR10+, Dolby Vision, there's HLG, there's um, one that YouTube supports, which is
1: like... But isn't all that a problem? It's got to standardize before anyone can actually, actually like, Correct. So you'll see TVs like I bought a TV that had the most standards.
0: Right? I said if I'm gonna buy a 4K HDR TV, what are the HDR formats that it supports? Well, it's it supported like all the the top three. So I'm like, cool, that's the one I'm gonna get. But um, you're gonna see HLG is quickly becoming the the standard. It's kind of the wild wild west a little bit. But it what's what's really happening is because uh, 4K or UHD. Is emerging at the same time HDR is emerging, and so a lot of people in the industry is are, is wanting to force UHD and HDR to become one, mm-hmm. and so it all forces the market to both UHD and HDR at the same time. The reality is you can do 1080 HDR, but when you buy a TV from Best Buy, it's going to be 4K or UHD HDR. Um, so. That's what's really going to be forcing the market to just assume they want they want people to assume that HDR and UHD are married, but they're not from a technology yeah. standpoint but the market wants you to think that so it makes their life a lot easier to not have to deal with 1080 HDR and UHD HDR so back to your original question uh, 3D 3D required two different video signals it required a lot more you know, obviously that's double the bandwidth. It's more devices. It's more, it's just more of everything. And so HDR is not more of anything. It's just getting a camera that will capture HDR and then making sure your infrastructure is there, making sure you have shader displays that can do HDR, um, making sure that your streaming device can do HDR because some, Web uh, streaming services can can do it and some can't. So if it can't, so if it gets the REC 2020 um, flag uh, and then it can't actually render like that encoder cannot render that, it, it is going to do its own conversion and make it like reds look orange, like reds look very orange when not converted correctly to SDR. So you get in, tr- you can get in trouble pretty quickly, but I'm learning a lot about it. It was just fun to be able to be yeah. a transformation and, and see it, um, and work with a diversified team who is, uh, working on that project. And we worked through, uh, so many things together. It was really fun to dive in and, and help, um, uh, help that system come to
1: life. So they have, they have an, uh, they have a Ross acuity does the acuity have to do any HCR handling? it just passes along hdr
0: so the acuity gotcha it's a Ultrix acuity so it's all you know internal routing uh with a switcher and router and um the mm. acuity just hands off the signal so anyway that was that was really a fascinating uh and fun it's just um the scale that at which they operate obviously is is very large um but they've chosen to take on this um and maybe there's other churches that are doing it it's just transformation is just in the forefront of my mind because it's a raw system but um it's fun to see a full system full hdr it kind of i guess it can it can, it came online at the right time like they're in the position to buy all new displays and new build out for all this to have hdr and hdr is more affordable now the displays are i mean three years ago hdr displays were crazy expensive there's, cool. there's my commentary on uh UHD HDR, so maybe people can uh, Google it and tell me where I was wrong and right and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So and I'm gonna find out what YouTube supports because it's bothering me.
1: I think it was, like like you kind of said like it's just one of those things that's fun to kind of learn and geek out about. But ninety nine point nine percent of us should not lose any sleep over worrying about if we should be if we should be capturing and broadcasting in HDR.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for all of you video folks who work at a church and if your pastor comes up to you and like points at a church broadcast and says, why does that look so good? Um, You should take the next step and reach out to the church and find out like it it might be that they are doing stuff in HDR and um, then you can have the tools to have a communication or have a conversation with your pastor about like, Hey, it's a whole different technology set than what we are equipped to do now. So for us to have that look or for the cameras to look that good, it requires X, Y, and Z. And so it's just worth having the conversation and then finding out maybe it's
1: not HDR and maybe they're doing something different with their lighting that makes it look yeah. good. Who knows? It could be a lot of things. Speaking of uh, quirky video technology stuff, I was at a show. Um, a few weeks ago I, was doing, I did some stuff with the global leadership summit and we did a a broadcast event and um, had to bring in a bunch of you know bring in a bunch of equipment to this place and rent rented it out from a company and led wall and all that kind of stuff and anyway due to like the shape of the wall and like the pixel space they wanted to try to get the content to fit in one raster and they ended up creating a raster that was true 4k not uhd and and all the advanced calls leading up to it, I now know that I really need to specify hey, when you say 4K, do you mean UHD or DCI 4K? Because those are not the same and can cause a lot of problems. Okay. Okay. I've heard about this conversation, but I have not gone down the rabbit hole. So So DCI help 4K me. is a, it's actually 4096 by 2160. UHD, which is the energy standard, which is what we've broadcast 4K in, is what uh, thirty eight twenty by twenty one sixty, thirty eight forty, something like that. Yeah, um, thirty eight forty by twenty one sixty, I think, is yeah. UHD. Yeah, yes. so it's just a wider image, and it's it's like a lot. If you look at like a lot of cameras, red cameras or these like cinema cameras that are shooting 4K, they're shooting that wider because DCI 4K stands for Digital cin- Cinema Initiatives. It's like the cinema standard for what 4k is and it's a wider aspect ratio than uhd which is a broadcast so standard uhd is 16 by 9 right then the other one is the i don't know it's like 21 to 9 or something like that something, something different but a touch wider It's like there's a big difference when you talk about you know you're coming out of a computer and you have to use an, an HDMI adapter, and then you got to hit this thing, and it goes to this switcher, then goes to this LED processor, and man, it, it was a took us a while to find the right solution of devices that could handle 4K DCI. So That's make sure you ask that question: 4K yeah. or, or UHD? It matters. That's
0: a good one for like um, you know like uh, tech tech production guy meetup event where you're like, hey, what's the difference between 4K and UHD? Or is there a difference? And they're like, nah, nothing's different. And you're like, oh, but wait. I don't,
1: I don't want to go to that party, Jeremy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that's cool. That's good to know. Uh, how, that's fascinating to, so that was the end display was that resolution and then all the content you were given. So the is LED raster
1: was that 4K DCI and so the processor was wanted that resolution to spit mm-hmm. out to the wall got it
0: so UHD it is everybody yeah um and uh at transformation they were doing they're doing UHD 2398 um which is a 6G signal mm-hmm. so it's uh not a full 12 so you know when you think about when i was talking about a 1080p signal being 3 3G um so that's the bandwidth that it needs, and then as you step up. So when you go to UH, should we do a little lesson here? times that.
1: Let's just back it up. Yeah. 1080. Go. I, 1080i 59.94. The normal standard is a 1.5 yep. G signal. Yep. Yep. 1080p. Which means, 50, which means, ahead.
0: you that cable can run a lot longer. Right. You can go further down a copper cable
1: before that signal disappears. Yes. 1080p 599.4 is a 3G signal. Yep. So if you, and similar to what you were just saying with 4K, but so then if you split that in half, so 1080p 60 is 3G. 1080p 2398 or 299.7 is half as many frames, so it's back to the 1.5G. Yep. So all the way to the top end, 4K 60 is 12G. Whenever you see Blackmagic, broadcast this is a 12g input switcher all this they're talking about 4k 60 but 4k 30 or 4k 24 is a 6g because it's half as many frames right
0: yep so why is that important it's because it's all about the data rate and it's all about cable length and data rate and um your cable infrastructure being able to support that amount of data going down a pipe all at the same time which means a lot of times in a UHD facility, you're going to use fiber uh, much more than you're going to use a copper cable because fiber is going to be able to go further, faster, longer, um, and deal with higher bandwidth, more data all at once, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so transformation is 2398, UHD 2398, which means it's 6G signal. Um 6G is uh some devices support it, some don't. So you got to be really strategic in making sure that um what devices you have in your system, you
1: know, works or work doesn't work with 6G. Yep. Um, these are the reasons. So. I'm sure you've heard this, but I've heard this. I feel like the last few months, I've heard it several times again. Some lighting person or audio person will come up to me. And they'll just say, "I hate video." <laughs> and I think it's because of all of these things. It is it that is. we've been talking about. Why does yes. this device work? Well, you're, you're, you know, you're giving it a flavor that doesn't like, right? There's so many flavors of uh, signals that, man, it just gets hard sometimes.
0: Yep. Yep. It does. Probably so, one of the Smart ones. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just the, the, the black hole of video just goes much deeper than lighting your audio. Cause it's like, once you have a grasp of video, then you learn something else. And it opens up a whole nother thing of like, whoa, yeah, a lot more complexity.
1: I got a question for you. Okay. Um. So I was, I was setting up a switcher yesterday for um, like a local high school camp. And so they were into, they hired this company out. The company asked me to come help set up the switcher and cameras and all that kind of stuff. So I get there. I don't really know what I'm walking into, but, I take this lid off this case and I see okay here's the little you know video rack, and inside of it is a Blackmagic um, switcher, a little one of the little ones. I've come to find out it's like the Television Studio HD or something like that. I can't keep them all straight, but it's a little switcher, and then under it is also like a 20 by 20 uh, Blackmagic router. So as I'm trying to put the whole, I have I think I have a total of six cameras. I have two to three graphic sources. Um, and then I have a few destinations, like the side screens, uh, downstage monitors, a teaching plasma, things like that. So this is kind of my scope of, of work that I have to kind of try to figure out. So I guess my question is, well, one, I will say, if you're buying a switcher, do your homework and see what kind of inputs, inputs it has, because this switcher had four HDMI and four SDI inputs, and that is a nightmare to try to figure out when you've got six SDI cameras and you've actually had... I had nine sources that I needed. Couldn't do it because only had eight inputs. Um, but I had to actually convert two of the cameras from SDI to HDMI to get them into the switcher. Which is not, not ideal. You don't want to do that on a normal, normal basis. Mm. Um, but I ended up... I set I set everything up, but I didn't use a router at all. I used... Right. Um, the switcher only had one aux output, which is also something that you need to know before you buy it is... The actual IO on it, there's five. Or there's four SDI outputs on the back, but they're all just basically programmed DAs. You can't assign anything to the output. Oh, got it. Um, so I had one program output, one aux output. Um, so I was trying to work with the, work with the clients. Okay, how, wh- which of these destinations do you actually want to be able to control? Which ones do you not need to be able to control? Um, anyway, I ended up not using the router at all. And it kind of just made yeah. me think, made me question like, when should I use a router? When should someone consider putting a router in line? Um, yeah, just what are your thoughts on that? uh,
0: uh that's a good question. Um, I was like, man, you're you, you lead me down all these details. I'm like, what is he going like, <laughs> uh, okay, so, to ask? Okay, so paint the picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so in your scenario, you in that scenario, you either can deal with um, destination routing via a router or a switcher. And in your case, you are going to, um, you needed a router who that could step in and, uh, do some routes that cause your switcher couldn't control, right? Your IO count of your switcher is very limited. So maybe that was a moment where you're like, if you had a router, or if you had a router that had better control or some scenario where you could control it from the same surface or maybe a, a touch panel close by where you could control some other uh, ancillary routes, you know, that the more outputs than what the um, switcher has. Um, so your, your situation is a little different. You're probably underpowered on the switcher side. So your switcher IO probably needed to be higher. You needed to have some more processing or more uh, more inputs yep. and outputs and uh, just a bigger switcher. And then you probably would have not felt the pain points at all from the system that you were at. Um, but when it comes to like routing and switching, this is what I, I tell people a lot is it's all about control. In my opinion, it's about like at your, in your workflow. And we come from a church workflow, which is very much, Hey, we have a video switcher panel, that we're going to cut a couple of cameras during worship. We're going to cut a cu- cu- couple of cameras during our teaching. We probably are going to put a keyer on for lyrics. We're probably going to put something up on our screens, either cameras or just full screen lyrics during uh, worship. So we have we have these things that we're controlling, um, sometimes fast, sometimes slowly. So the way I tell people is all it's all about control. So when you think about how you Want to control all of the places that people see video around your church, your event center, your system, like whatever it is. When you think about all these different places of control, maybe you've got two or three lobby TVs, maybe you've got a web stream, maybe you've got projectors. How do you want to control that? And what does it look like to control those uh, destinations? Meaning like when I say control, not like turning them on and off, but going from one source to the other. Yeah. Hey, when... It needs to be like pre-service or before doors open. It's um, some kind of looping slideshow. And then when doors open, it's going to be the same thing that's uh, in the room, goes outside the room. Those type of things. How do you want to control getting in and out of the right video to the right destination? And based on that conversation, there, there's ways to do it. You can control it inside a switcher, or you can control it inside a router, or you could do switcher, a combination of switching and routing. Um from a cost standpoint, switchers usually cost more than routers because switchers do more sophisticated video things. Yeah. So routers are just going to hand off signals. Like it's literally, um, it's it's kind of like think about a patch bay where it's like unplugging and plugging in. It's just doing that. Like it doesn't hold on to two signals at the same time. So when yeah. you do a, like a dissolve in a switcher, it's going
1: to have two sources. It's like the old old telephone operator lady. Correct. just yep. plugging this and connecting you to this thing. Yep. I'm talking about old. That's... That's old. (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, so that little... So it's just patching stuff in and out, right? And it's doing it electronically inside of a box and it's making it happen. And you can have one source go to many, many, many different destinations or many outputs. And so maybe you need one switcher program, like what goes to your side screens in your room may need to go to the lobbies, may need to go in all these other different outputs. record deck, to... Yeah. And so the beauty of the router is that the router can actually route sources, one source to this many, 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 um, outputs. And so your switcher may be limited by outputs. Like you were talking about, you only had a handful of outputs. So, Hey, how do I want to actually address this? Well, having a router in place can have all of these unique destinations. That's what we call it destinations, but all these unique outputs, um, on or connected to the router and then you're just routing things to those destinations as you need it. So the switcher program comes back into the router before it goes anywhere else. And so the router becomes like a hub for routing, like yeah. for sending things to places. So when I talk about control, that's why you're like, okay, how do I want to control that kind of stuff kind of helps understand like what level of switcher and router
1: you may need in a system. Yeah. So let's say in a scenario where you've got all the IO you need, both switching and routing, do you think it's a general, like, is it a good practice to have every input hit the router first and then router destinations feed the switcher or have home runs from something to the switcher?
0: Uh, that's a great debate in engineering. A lot of people have strong feelings about both options a lot of people th- say um i really never i never need to route a camera by itself to any other thing except it be it, yeah. in the switcher like I, I never need any other display to have the camera by itself it always needs to be part of the switcher program right? right um so a lot of people will say well cameras can go straight to the switcher or um other people are like no because when you want to change your, that camera out later it's much easier to change it in the router input than the switcher input and um, what happens if you want to do iso recording right what if you want to just record camera one by itself to a record deck in the future then having it as part of the router allows you to be able to route to that record deck and bypass the switcher Um, a lot of broadcast people were like hey let's do a patch Bay and router with cameras, because if our switcher dies, we can at least literally go route camera one to our destinations and mm, just yeah. run with one camera, you know, and not have to worry about, um, you know, the switcher obviously is dead and doesn't work. So it's, um, if your cameras are going straight to the back of your switcher in that scenario and your switcher dies, then you're pretty screwed. So there's a lot of different Yeah. People have different philosophies. And a lot of people calculate it as like price per port on your router. So a lot of people will go straight to the switcher because camera one going to your router and then camera one going to your switcher is passing through the router, right? So it's using up an input port on your router and an input port on your switcher, which means you're there's a cost associated with a router input port and a cost associated with your switcher input port. And when you're value engineering things. Some people will be like, hey, we don't need to pay for both of those. So let's not do the router and go straight to switcher. And then you understand what you lose, you know, in yeah, that scenario. Yeah. Okay. So, and then uh, the other thing is embedding and de-embedding. Routers now can I, I embed don't, and I don't, de-embed. I don't, I
1: don't deal with that. I don't care. I'm just kidding. Okay. Well,
0: <laughs> how are you getting audio stamped onto your video uh, outputs? And sending audio to your encoders, your resi encoder, or sending mm-hmm. audio to your record decks, or uh, whatever that may be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, obviously, particular to the Ross routing platforms, the Ultrix, because it can do embedding and de-embedding on every input and output. Um, but there's other routers that do that, and there's routers that don't do that. So paying attention to that and understanding the pros and cons of why you would want to have audio. Uh, and video in one box, right? embedding and de-embedding is very important. Yeah, that's fair. And that's a whole other probably podcast about that because I could go another 10 or 15-minute tangent about why you want audio in your router, but we'll spare the people. Yeah, not today. Yeah. DM me if you want to know more about that.
1: So... I, I yeah. can't wait to hear if you get DM'd about that. <laughs> I know. Well, I just have
0: gotten—I've gotten burned. I've gotten burned several times by embedder bricks on the backside of a freaking rack. Uh, and this, was this was not. This was not an invitation to sorry, go down bad, the bad rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. All right, moving on.
1: Now, uh, what else you got? Throw another rabbit out there.
0: Oh well. So this is a completely different thing—not infrastructure and stuff. I'm. Struggling. Um, I I got their my multiview recording from a uh, video directed twelve stone a good bit here in Atlanta and um, we have uh, we have one stick, we have a dolly, we have a jib and two handheld cameras and uh, you know a smaller space. We do don't do IMAG, but um, I feel like I'm in a rut and I got to figure out. Maybe you can help me advise me. I'm just like, oh, it's a, it's just the same. I don't know. Here's my 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 dilemma. Am I just feeling like I'm bored, or is my video cut actually boring? Mm. Okay, so I'm
1: like, because I'm like, oh man, it's just. Anyway, well, no one is looking at it as closely as you are. I remember like when I was, I, um, you know, the seasons of my life where I've directed every Sunday it's easy to start to feel like, because especially when you do multiple, multiple gatherings on a Sunday, so let's say you do two or three on a Sunday, those get very repetitive because it's the same songs. And you come back the next week and you do two or three more, um, or some of you guys out there doing more than that, four or five services. Um, I I always had to remind myself that I'm the one that I, no one sees it more than me. No one gets as bored of it as I do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, now that yeah. I, I'm in a season of life right now where most of the time I'm just attending church with my family, and I got to be honest, no one cares. <laughs> you know what I mean? They care subconsciously, and yes, what we do as a craft is very, very, very important, but no one who's who has gone through the hassle of getting their kids ready on a Sunday morning walks into church and thinks, this video cut's boring. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I want to say that without – I don't want to like, you know – downplay what we do because i think what we do is very important but perspective helps
0: I, maybe it's the you know when it's bad you know you know yeah. when, when there's a bad cut uh <laughs> i mean like literally i said i man i need to po- i'll try to i'll dig it up and uh, i'll post it i promise hold me <laughs> hold me accountable to this because it's really funny but i said ready i said ready one and i took camera four i don't know why my finger pressed the freaking <laughs> button but i took camera four and i was like and he's literally, like, flying all over the stage, like, oh, getting no. a different shot. And it was like, ah! And it's like, oh, I mean one. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, that's that. Bad.
1: <laughs> that's bad. When that happens, that's bad. Oh, yeah. So, um Let I me mean, yes. get back to your point. I mean, I, th- I think it's easy to start to feel like you're in a rut. And I don't know. I like to tell people, can you move a camera somewhere? Like, change something out. And it's hard in volunteer culture. Like, you got to. You can't just throw, throw a big wrench in the whole whole plan because it's hard enough to get volunteers to do what, what they know well. Right. What uh, yeah. you have to get them to do it well. But yeah, is there something you can move around? Um, could you rent some new lens and try it on your, and it depends on what kind of camera setup you have, but on your like roaming cameras, could you work with lighting to try to give you a different look?
0: We don't have we don't have cinema lenses. We have broadcast lenses. Mm-hmm. I think that's so. that's a little bit of it as well. Like yeah. I, um, I'm I'm being exposed to more cinema stuff, um, and so, I think I desire a little bit more, um, you know, shallower depth that of look, field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's some of our handheld ops that really get it, that are really good about getting stuff in the foreground and racking you know, to a vocalist or something, but it's, um, it's still not exactly the same, you Mm -hmm. know? So maybe it's some of that, but it's, um, yeah, I was just watching and I was just like,
1: man, I just, do you feel like if you were to watch it, like not in the multiview, I'd be curious. Do you feel like you're telling the story well of what's happening?
0: That's probably fair and accurate. Yeah. I probably, and I probably should do that to be honest. That's I, I haven't done it. But mm-hmm. conceptually, in my brain, I'm like, okay, so I will do go back and look at that and be and think, okay, did I get to the right things the right time? Yeah, that type of stuff. Because um, at
1: least then that, that, that's what I check myself sometimes. Like, is is it actually good? And it's just my ego that's bored. Mm-hmm. That that's on me, right? Yeah. Or is it? I'm feeling I'm feeling tension and bored because it's actually not very good. I'm not doing a very good job. Yeah and maybe i need to tweak how i coach my camera ops and how i call the shots. Yeah.
0: One of the i'm i'm trying to do better get better at is get to instrument shots in like uh breaks between uh you know people singing, but mm-hmm. um i feel like music trend is getting less and less music breaks like there's not as many of those and then you have ooh la la's, that's what i call it. The <laughs> like vocal runs and stuff, yes, that yeah. happen during a traditional music break are are like where it's like we're gonna you know the turnaround or go from a bridge to a chorus or whatever, um, chorus or bridge, and they're also saying stuff but not saying like words, and I feel the tension of like showing the singer because there's and also but I want to cut to the drums for a quick minute you know or yep. a quick second so some of that. And then when I cut the drums, then I'm like, I don't, you don't want to just be like there and back where it feels like a mistake. You need to be there, but then get back anyway. So some of that stuff, I feel like I'm trying to get better at my timing of that. And I just get conflicted. That's probably the good term. Mm -hmm. How I describe it. But what's your thoughts on the like runs and vocal, like when, uh, the improv stuff, right? So, yeah, you know, some, uh, this turnaround is going to happen and you know it's going to be a big drum big drum thing or electric guitar thing but then the worship leader also does like um some type of prompt or some type of even some ad lib stuff are you going to try to get to some drums or are you just going to stay and ride with the ad lib stuff
1: Uh, i think a couple thoughts um if it's a a a worship leader is actually talking like giving some sort of Proclamation or like instruction, I definitely want to have that on camera. Um, cause it's awkward to me to be on a drum shot, but you hear that. Yeah. I always try to think about the person who's listening. What, what is the most obvious thing they're hearing? And it's not the drums during that moment, right? It's the person talking. So that's good. That's good. I want to get that. Yep. Uh, and then on those like vocal runs, if they're good, then I want to try to capture that too. Um, but ideally, I would like, not capture it via my camera one in front of house that that i'm capturing the all the verse on i would want to try to capture it with some different angle so a handheld profile shot or a dolly shot or something else that gives me a little bit different perspective Mm -hmm. um and so but those are like sometimes you kind of if you rehearse it enough you know which one that you know when they're going to do that sometimes you don't and i just try to teach people to be ready for that and i'm going to cut to it quick if i feel like um, they go on some ooh la la moment, then we can get to get there quick. But as you were talking about that, I was just it made me kind of think about pop culture in general. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm not super up on like all of music. I'm not I don't listen to a ton of music. But I would feel pretty safe to say that if you look at music as a whole, and pop culture, like we are definitely in an era where the vocalist is king yep. or queen, right? Yeah. All the biggest acts are solo acts. Yep. Yeah, is that is that fair? Uh
0: yeah. Because if you think about like, <laughs> I think my daughter had a Guns and they Roses. They might they may have a band behind yeah. them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not. Yeah, yeah. My my daughter had a Guns N' Roses t shirt on today. I, why she has a Guns N' <sighs> okay. Roses? I don't know. <laughs> a twelve year old. I know. I know. Roses I'm t-shirt. like man uh anyway it's just she didn't even know what it is but it's just got a cool design and you're right like guns you think about the like iconic bands of the past iconic music of the past it's um right. guitar drums and a vocal you think about u2 the that
1: yep, there were all the bands it,
0: right? like yeah right
1: I mean, even like in the 80s the journey and the kansas yes. and all that like there was a vocalist who you knew the name of yeah but it was the band name yes. that you went to go see, yeah. And even Coldplay is like a, you know more modern version of that. And there are some bands out there that I know people listen to, but man, all the the people selling the most concert tickets are individuals. You're right. You are right. And uh that is wild.
0: That is very true. And even yeah. when I think about country music, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's very much the. Instruments are not part of the show; they're
1: they're there to support the show. Yeah, and I feel like in a lot of ways that like I mean Christian music kind of kind of follows that a little bit too. Like yeah. it sh- it should. Um, yeah. Think, so as we shoot it, it kind of yeah. I don't know. Maybe <laughs>
0: wait. I just I just, to, I just thought extent. about flaws in my <laughs> statement. So you kind of
1: hearing me flesh out things that I think what you mean yeah. is like like we should be relevant with the culture that we live in.
0: Well, right, we yes. we should like the guitar does not necessarily lead us in worship. The yeah. person playing the guitar does and can, and sometimes the person playing the guitar doesn't lead us in worship. The guitar playing is really great, but the but there's no leading mm-hmm. us in worship. Um, right. So
1: the body language, the yeah emotion, yeah. Yeah. So
0: when I mean like, <laughs> yeah, the the music is there to help support and and lead us. In music, but the, but seeing a tight shot of the fretboard is what I guess that's what I went to. <laughs> yes. I'm like in my mind, I'm like, I don't need a tight shot of the fretboard because that doesn't right. help me really engage in worship. Like I, I, I don't know because that that guitar is not leading us anywhere. I right, there's yeah, some yeah. people who know, would fair. disagree with me say no, it really is, and but I'm I'm pretty practical. I don't live up in the clouds in that regard. So there's, I'm sure people could say convincing way why
1: instruments sure. lead us well, but yeah and you, but you're not saying that instruments don't lead us because yes I can listen to some yeah. instrum- instrumental music and be moved by it yes, for right, sure Right. Um, speaking on the whole in, in Christian worship music it is a vocal led thing with lyrics and um, so knowing that I'm going to try and cheat more towards vocalists than I am towards instruments got it yeah that's good
0: Uh, That's a good, uh, conversation. I I, I'm curious to find out, I kind of forget about the conversations that we have, like conversations that you and I have not in podcast world. And then also conversations like we have at our like MXU workshops and things like that. So uh, we haven't had necessarily this conversation, which I've on podcasts, which I feel like is great to have on a podcast and I would be curious to see if people feel the same way uh, about it with us. Like, I'm sure, I mean, how many hundreds and hundreds of churches are doing a camera cut every week, you know, mm-hmm. capturing worship and teaching in North America and like what video directors, how they feel about things. And I know there's a there's a lot of people that may need some inspiration, but also a lot of people who could help inspire and give us a, some direction in it, too. So I think it's a good conversation to have.
1: Yeah, for sure. I will say on that note, um, it was it's a couple of weeks couple of weeks removed now, or several weeks removed. But the Super Bowl halftime show this year, if you haven't seen it, I would say go watch it, especially if you are a person who is doing camera cuts um, and video directing. And it's you know not so much that I'm looking for, oh how can I replicate this shot? Because guess what, you can't. You don't have a wire cam that can fly 100 feet per second or whatever that thing was doing. Um, you don't have floating stages. So I'm not looking necessarily for that. When I watch something like the half M show, if that stuff is awesome and inspires me, but what I was able to watch it and see is just the intentionality of every shot. Yeah. Like go through and watch it and like pause it and kind of like reverse engineer it, break it down. Okay. What kind of camera is this? What is the camera move that just happened? Why do I think the director chose to do that? Because I promise you the director made a choice on every one of those shots. Um, and it was just incredibly intentional with like starting super tight. And then the, the wire cam flies out wide to reveal everything. What does that mean? Okay. We're going to start tight and intimate because it's Rihanna. It's just one artist doing the show. And it's like kind of eerie, the opening shot of her staring down the camera. And then we're going to wow your face off when we go out wide and we show these floating stages and this amazing yeah. transformation of the field that just happened in three minutes. Um, but just all of that, and the the pacing of it, and the cutting of it. Um, there's some Steadicam work on the stage where they were like in the middle of all the choreography, and it just think about what it makes you feel when you watch it, and how it helps tell the story of the of the song that's happening, what's going on on stage. So, I thought it was super good this year. Super, um, uh, it was just inspirational and just really intentional with all the shot choices they had.
0: Yeah, it was. I felt like it was a very different from the uh halftime shows in the past you, I, i'm not necessarily like a super halftime show person i'm usually i i, I watch it but kind of half watch it
1: but yeah. was it was it different I usually I feel watch like it the next day <laughs> stylistically it was very different right it seemed like it um in some ways yes in some ways like it's always a spectacle and it's mm. just different because it's they're really trying to just wow your face off, and they have to have a million people to fill up the,
0: the vo- the the size, yep. of what that, you know the square footage of that field is, and so, having something where a bunch of people are dressed in the same clothes and light bounces off of them and all that stuff, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. There's the ton of lighting and staging stuff that's just amazing. Okay, so
0: I just texted my friend Jeremy Lamori, who's out in Arizona, who was part of. The you know systems to make the Super Bowl broadcast happen, because um, he works at Fox. I asked him. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't get him in trouble. I said, "How many how many rehearsal days for the Super ha- Super Bowl halftime show?" He said, "Usually five days in the venue at night leading up to the game. So five five wow. nights of rehearsals in venue. Those five nights before the game.
1: Isn't that crazy? That's or, really crazy." I wonder how many of those are with Rihanna. And then some, some of them are just with blocking, which with all the choreography, all the dancers and everything. Yeah. Stage moves.
0: That's, That's awesome. Yeah. So when you look at a thing like that and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to pull that off, like just keep yeah, it in yeah. mind three and a half minutes or four, something like that. What are, it was longer than that, I guess.
1: Yeah. It's about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah.
0: Okay. But five nights in the venue. That's, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. And usually it's auto-cut too, by the way. Usually it's time-coded. Yeah, so they're
1: not live-cutting this. Right. Yeah. It's auto-cut or it's at the very least, it's like everyone has their shot list and the AD is literally just saying five, four. Like they're counting on the beat and they know every, every shot is mapped out on what beat it's supposed to change.
0: Yeah. So that's why you see when you see a missed camera shot, it's not the director taking it early. It's the camera person not being like... Right it's going to get hit cut at whatever time code, no matter what the composition of that camera is in that moment. Cool. Uh, I think we've talked enough for today. I think so. And we've probably bored a lot of people. If anyone is still there with us, they're ready to go. Yeah. Um, I will say Easter's coming up. This will be our uh, last uh, podcast before Easter happens. So all of you warriors who are in the trenches planning Easter, maybe you listen to this after Easter, but if you happen to catch it, before Easter, um, man, we are we are legitimately, seriously praying for you guys, praying for our community. Yep. Um, we want you to have a fantastic Easter. We want you to have a fantastic uh, family time during Easter. I think um, my prayer for our community is that God will give each one of you wisdom to s- how to spend your time. I think we can be distracted a lot of way, a lot of times. We can um, mm-hmm. choose to take on more than we can actually chew. Um, but, uh, say yes to the right things, honor the right people and, um, spend your time wisely as we lead up to the, it is literally one of the most important, um, weeks of the year. People's lives are different. The thousands, thousands of people who look back 10 years from now and go Easter 2023 was my, my time. And, um, so don't lose heart. This community has that's the ministry. That's what yeah, we all totally. get to do. So,
1: um, yeah, I don't know why I just went on that, but I just felt like I love it. I love it. I'm super grateful for everyone that's who's, who's in it deep right now and in the thick of it. And um, I, I, I don't know. I might be serving on Easter. I don't know yet. But either way, like I'm grateful for everyone. And I don't, especially for my kids. We live in this weird era of Christian church now, where kids only come to big church on certain holidays. You know? Yeah, right. Um, but my older kids. The few times a year where they get that, where they go to big church, it's like a, it's a huge mile marker for them. So, Easter is one of those times. So, I'm grateful for everyone who, who's carrying that banner.
0: Yep. And we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you got a question, you're planning Easter, you got a question. If you get into a technical position where you like, I need to know who can I reach out to. Feel free to DM us. We'd love to help yep. you um, move along, find an answer, and all that stuff. And then um, after Easter, we'd love to you know see a story or something and see what you guys accomplished so uh if you did something fun and cool and you're proud of uh tag us and it'll be fun to see so that's it for now i guess awesome yeah see ya be well or heard anything from mxu you've probably gathered that we care deeply about helping you create healthy teams we know that you have a lot on your shoulders but you don't have to bear it all alone mxu can come alongside you to help you recruit volunteers and bring them on board in a healthy way with our platforms you gain back valuable ministry time as we take over the bulk of training from entry level to advanced concepts in audio video and lighting Keeping your team healthy should be a priority at any church, and a healthier team means a healthier you. Start building a healthy team at GetMXU.com.